This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today we have a, a special co-host guest, J.D. Roth. So, J.D., how's it going today? Good, good. How are you? Doing really well. It's been a little uh, you know, chilly here in the Colorado Front Range area. We got a little snow last week, and I mean, if people listen to this six months from now, they're not going to care about the winter weather, but today, you know, it's a little chilly. What's it like where, where you're at? Well, Cor- Corvallis, Oregon has been pretty cold too, but it's been uh, clear and cold. We're going to Oregon this time of year is pretty rainy usually. The rain has set in, but we're getting some clear, cool weather. So it means long hikes with the dog while we can still do them. And uh, it's been fun. Nice. And how often do you like go on a hike or something like that? Just curious. Uh, generally once a week, uh, sometimes twice a week. It, it's, it's fun. So you might not know this, but uh, Corvallis, it reminds me a lot of where you live, Longmont. It, it's a similar sized town. Um, we're not up against the Rocky Mountains, but we're up against the Oregon Coast Range. And we're just at the edge of the foothills of the Oregon Coast Range. So it's a, uh, it's easy. There's it, it a huge network of trails in the forest, in the hills. Uh, so it's easy to just take the dog out and let her go. She loves it. Awesome. And then when it does get rainy, um, do you guys still go out and hike and does the dog mind? Oh, the dog, she, she does and she doesn't. I mean, she, she, it, it bugs her, but she still wants to be outside. Okay. Uh, and we do go out sometimes, uh, but you know, yeah. n- not, not as much. I walk her every day, regardless of the rain. Got it. Yeah. Not as eager to get out there and just get soaking wet. So, okay. <laughs> no, Got it. no, no, no. All right. Well, I'm pumped to, to talk today and it kind of was spawned through some conversations that you and I have had um, off the record and mm-hmm. stuff. And then I read um, your blog post uh, that you published just a couple weeks ago uh, and it was called A Man of No Ambition. And just with the title, I was kind of, I mean, I was drawn to it. It was a good title. And I've, I sort of feel that sometimes too, where I'm not, I'm not sure what I should be like working on, like the drive that I had when I was younger is just not there. And how old are you now? I am 43. 43. Okay. Yeah. And I remember, you know, 10 years ago, I was a lot more eager to like work on things and I had a full-time job. So I I was working hard there and then I was working hard on my side hustles and stuff. And now I just, you know, either I don't have the energy or interest or, or something. So yeah, this really struck a chord with me and I thought the intro was great. So I'll let you, you know, sort of talk about when you discovered that maybe you didn't have much ambition and I'll talk about, um, and you could, you could frame that however you want. Cause I, I said that in a very specific way, but yeah, I feel like right now I don't have a ton of ambition. So yeah. What do you think? Well, well, I'm curious. I'm going to pick your brain first yeah. because it, it sounds like you used to have ambition, but it, it's faded with time. And, and I'm wondering why you think that is. Do you think that your ambition has declined uh, because uh, you've reached a point where you don't need to be ambitious? Uh, has your perception of the world changed? I mean, what is it? What is it right. that's changed that's caused your ambition to go away? So I think that'll be something that I'll, I'll be trying to figure out for the next few years, most likely. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, part of it, I think, is like energy level. And I think, you know, when when you're younger, maybe you just have a little bit more energy. And um, I mean, I think back to those years, uh, the 20s and 30s, where, uh, you know, I could go out and drink and party and have a great time, not get much rest, work a ton and like just do that. Uh, you know, weeks on end. I'm not sure how I had that energy, but I know now, um, well, luckily I'm trying to cut back on, on drinking and partying and such and going to bed earlier. But if I do that one day, you know, that hangover lasts for three days, not like half a day. (laughs) So I think part of it is, you know, getting older and aging. The other part is exactly what you mentioned. 
where I was working really hard, say in the corporate world, trying to earn more. And I'm not sure what the exact goal was, but I, you know, drank the Kool-Aid of the, you know, corporate culture and I was going that route. And at some point I, you know, discovered uh, the the fire movement and kind of realized there was a different way to do things. And part of that was realizing that just earning more and more money and doing more and more is not a really good pursuit for me personally. You know, I'm not here to judge anyone else if they want to do that. But for me, right, exactly. didn't really make much sense. So it, like you said, uh, at some point, maybe I did reach a point where, you know, earning more money didn't really serve me well and I needed to spend my time and effort somewhere else. Yeah, for me, uh, and I'll get to my own history with ambition in a minute, but uh, for me, it's interesting to think uh, in our culture, in the United States, um, ambition is prized, I think. Most people look on it very favorably. And I, I know in the dating world, when I was younger, it's, it's one of the things women always talked about. They, they want men who are ambitious. Um, when I talked to Kim, my girlfriend, it's one of the things that uh, appealed to her about me is uh, she thought I was ambitious when we met. I, I wasn't, but I came across that way. Um, <laughs> And uh, so it's just culturally, I think ambition is something that is prized or valued in general. And I don't think ambition is bad, but I don't think it's necessarily a virtue either. It's, it can be hit or miss. So um, anyway, I, I don't know where I'm going with that other than sure. something that occurred to me listening to you. It's, it's like uh, ambition doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it, it's not necessarily a good thing either. It's just, it's a quality. Right. And it's probably like, you know, so many things <laughs> where in moderation, it's, yes. it's great. But if you take it to the extreme, then it's, you know, toxic. Like, I mean, yeah, you can basically fill that in with anything. If you do too much of anything, it's probably not the best thing for you to do. Yeah. For me, uh, I look around, and this is something I wrote about in the article that you mentioned. I look about uh, around at my colleagues, and uh, a lot of them are very ambitious. And it's great. I, I love seeing what they're doing. I don't mean to uh, downplay what they're doing or to say that it's negative. But at the same time, I wonder if they think about, you know, they're so ambitious. They have already accomplished so much. They have so much money. They have uh, almost anything that's in the American dream. They've achieved it because they've worked so hard, but they keep working. And I wonder, do they ever ask themselves how much is enough? You know, when is enough for them? And do they just want to keep doing this for the rest of their lives? And why? I mean, maybe it's a good thing for them to keep doing this. But Right. Well, and I have a, I have a specific friend and probably more people that I know that they just didn't tell me directly. But one of my friends, uh, he and I are in a mastermind group. So we get together maybe like once a month or so. And at first it was more business focused. Now we're friends. So we'll kind of catch up on other stuff. But he, you know, gr grew his business over a few years. And I think currently he's making, you know, t uh, 20 to 30K per month, doing really awesome, you know, so much more than he was making or thought that he could make years ago. And now he wants to make a hundred K a month. And I, I was like, mm. you know, you're, you're so busy now. Like, why do you even want to do that? Like you seem tired, kind of burned out. What, what will you do with a hundred K per month? And he was like, I don't know. I just, I really want to do it. And it was only, it was purely uh, you know, a comparison situation. So he, he knew one of our other friends is making a hundred K a month. So he wants to do that too, for no reason other than like, if that dude can do it, I want to do it too. I, I like, he's so competitive. Right. And actually I, I'm pretty good friends with him. So I just asked him, do you have a chip on your shoulder? Like who cares what that dude's doing? You're already doing better than you thought, better than like everyone in your family, American dream, all the stuff you said. And he said, yes, I absolutely have a chip on my shoulder. Like I, I just want to prove to maybe himself or other people that he could do it too. That's interesting. That whole comparison thing. Uh, I can see that that drives a lot of people to try to get more. They compare themselves to others. Uh, 
especially their friends. And again, I, I, I want to temper things. I don't want to say all these things are bad. Uh, I just want people to ask questions. I want them to be deliberate about the decisions they're making. If you're, if your friend is going after that hundred thousand dollars a month, uh, I want him to ask himself, why, why am I doing this? And, uh, yeah. Is it a good thing? Is it the best use of my time? Yeah. And, and I mean, and it could be, again, I think we're, we're being really nice, JD. We're like, all right, if people want to do that, there is a reason like that's cool. <laughs> like if you want to do it, but probably there's like a better use of your time. I mean, the guy has like a young family, like I'm pretty sure he could spend those hours like with his family a little bit more and just like not be stressed out, you know? Cause yeah. I think if you're, if you're trying to do that, like you have to have like a really strong drive and ambition, you know, like we're talking about. So, so uh, to, to get back you had asked me about like my own story with ambition and I, I derailed this here, but the, the whole reason I wrote the article at get rich solely about being a man of no ambition is because I am asking myself these questions. It, it has been a very rough year for me, 2022. Honestly, it's been one of the shittiest years of my life. It's just been one big thing after the other. And the example I'll give is it's been a year filled with death. Uh, I spent two months with my cousin, who was also my best friend, uh, earlier in this year, as he was dying from cancer in hospice, was there to decide when he died, uh, struggled with the grief related to that. Uh, then a few months later, we had a cat die. I know it's just a cat, it's just a cat, but you know, it's a cat. It's right. part of our family. Uh, and then about two months ago, my mother died. And even though she had been sick for a while and we knew it was coming, it's still, it's a huge thing. And uh, dealing with that loss has been more difficult than I thought. And then just last week, uh, we had another cat, a young cat, five-year-old cat mm. um, who died of a, well, we had to put her down, but she was dying because of acute kidney failure. Oh. And none of the vets could figure it out. And so we had to put her down and it just, it was like the final straw. And so mentally, it, I feel like life has just been clubbing me over the head all year long. It's like, here, JD, you've had things good for so long. Let me deal you some shit. Huh. And uh, it, it's made me question what it is I'm doing and what it is I want to do. And that's what put me in the headspace to write this article about my relationship with ambition and how even though I'm a competitive person, especially with myself, not necessarily with other people, uh, I've never really been ambitious. I've never been somebody, I'm somebody who could get good grades, but I never pursued them for the sake of getting good grades. Uh, I'm somebody who has made a lot of money at times, but I've never actually pursued money for the sake of making money. It's always just been a side effect. All this stuff has me thinking about ambition and what I want to do with my life. And it, it's funny. It's, it's almost like I'm, a, I'm 53, but it's almost like I'm 23 trying to figure out, okay, where do I go from here? Right. Well, I'm sorry. Um, of all the death that you've had to experience this year, um, and I, you know, you, you guys don't have kids, right? No kids? No kids. No okay. kids. Yeah. So the animals are our yeah. kids. Same here. Yeah. No kids. And yeah, devastating to lose a pet. Like you said, member of the family And you know, to, to back it up. I mean, everyone has to deal with death. Like sure. this year has been in, intense for you. Do you feel like you have, have, or had a good toolkit to deal with death? Like mentally, I mean, we all know people are going to die around us, especially as we're getting older. So yeah. Sure. Um, that, that's a great question. Uh, yes, I, I felt in the past I've dealt with death well. I mean, I lost my father when I was young, my grandparents, um, and, and I've dealt with those deaths okay. And even this year when my cousin Nick died, even though that was a very intense two months being there at his side as he was dying, um, I dealt with that okay. Uh, it's just it's just been this accumulation. I guess I wasn't prepared for just the hit after hit after hit. Um, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, we, one other conversation we had, you know, on my side, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I generally have a, a good 
you know, toolkit or whatever to deal with um, death. But I haven't experienced anything like you described where it's just like one after another. So I've lost all my grandparents at this point. Um, and my mother died two, yeah, two years ago, uh, cancer, right. you know, she had pancreatic cancer and she actually made it for about a year, which is pretty decent for pancreatic cancer. So we had some time um, to spend together and I guess we knew it was, I mean, we knew it was coming for a little while. So, right. I don't you know. had some closure. Yeah. Yeah. And we were able to spend uh, quite a lot of time together um, in the last year. When people die that you're close to, it, it's interesting. So when my mother died, she had been living in the memory care unit of an assisted living facility. So it was as if she were in a dorm room with another woman who also had memory issues. Um, in all of mom's possessions, because she'd been in the assisted living place for 10 years, we'd already sold much of what she owned, converted that to cash to pay for her living expenses. So when she died, she had a bed, a dresser, and then the clothes and things in the dressers, the dresser in the closet. And my sister-in-law, my God, she when she saw this, it, it just tore her up inside that here's my mom, 74 years old. She dies. And all that she's left with is this, just these few possessions. And I thought about that when my cousin Nick died too, because, you know, he was young. He was 58, but he dies and he's left with just an apartment of stuff. And mostly it's just clothes and pots and pans and it, it, it when you see this and you see it over and over again in a short period of time, for me, anyhow, it makes me question, what is it that's important in life? And is it these things like we're talking about working hard to make a hundred thousand dollars a month? What is it that I want to leave behind? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I'm getting all deep and philosophical and doomy and gloomy. I know it. No, no, this is good. I mean, these are the questions that, I mean, Probably. I know for me, uh, we probably avoid it because it's like not as uh, pleasant to talk about as other stuff. <laughs> so, right. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, existential. And, you know, uh, I guess the spoiler alert is we're not going to solve the problem by the end of this uh, podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's no, good to talk not. through. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and that's what I think. I think of this year as my existential crisis. That's what I keep thinking about. Um, I don't know whether you and I have talked about this before, but, um, you know, a movie came out in March of this year called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, have you seen that film? I haven't. Are you no. familiar with it? It, to me, it's probably one of my favorite films of all time. And, and the premise of it is, um, again, this is Everything Everywhere All at Once. It stars Michelle Yeoh. Uh, she is a Chinese immigrant. She and her husband own a laundromat. Um, the husband wants a divorce, although she doesn't know that. They're being audited by the IRS. Her overbearing father is visiting from China. Her lesbian daughter is angry at her all the time. And she's visited by an alternate version of her husband from a different dimension. And so this movie starts very tedious and it goes crazy really, really fast. It's like all these multiple dimensions and different versions of Michelle Yeoh and her husband. And, um, and so the first part of the movie is boring. The second part of the movie is weird. And then the third part gets really deep and philosophical and it's like, Whoa. And, uh, it's just an amazing film. And I keep going back to that because I feel like it summarizes just my experience with this year. And uh, also, again, this question I keep asking myself about, like, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? And I realize there's all these different paths available to me. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you said, it's like we're, um, you know, 23 years old trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> we just happen to have 20 or 30 more years of knowledge. <laughs> and we're, yeah, we're just that's exactly right. Yeah. It, you know, I, 
I don't know about you, but I still feel like I'm 20 years old or, or something like that. Right. And I talk to older people and they, they're like, I don't feel like I'm 70. I feel like I'm 30 or whatever. Yep. We just have these old bodies that can't get around as much and hangovers hit us harder. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And like you said, we, we have more experience and more knowledge that we can apply that to the decisions we make. And for some people that gives them clarity, having all this experience, but for me, it just makes everything more difficult. There's all these shades of gray. I'm like, right. all this experience makes me think, oh, well, there's no right answer. Well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think, um, well, I mean, this is uh, sort of the classic midlife crisis, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it fits in. Okay. So I guess let's talk about um, the ambition portion. So all this death and stuff happened, it sort of puts you in a mind space of like, you know, what, what's the point of having all this stuff? Like, you know, what am I really trying to do? I think so mm-hmm. when I had this experience earlier in the year where I went to, it was basically like an entrepreneur's uh, retreat. It's with this group called the dynamite circle. Um, and they have uh, a podcast, the tropical MBA that I listened to for a long time, but it's location independent entrepreneur, uh, you know, topics generally. And it was great. I mean, it's my kind of people. Um, I get along with them well. We understand each other's business models and that sort of thing. But I was usually in a group where I was the absolutely like hands down least ambitious person. It was very clear because it's, you know, what are you what are you working on this year? What are you excited about? And I'm like, I'm trying to do less work. Like that's my answer, basically, <laughs> which is way less interesting than, you know, the people who are you know, I'm, I'm trying to hit multiple six figures or seven or eight figures. And I have no interest in doing that at all. Like I kind of reached a point and I was like, if I just cruise here for a little while, I'm, I'm good. And it was really, well, it was eye opening. Cause I, again, I realized quickly, like this group is good, but I don't fit in as well as I used to because I don't have the ambition. Right. Right. And you know, you and I bumped into each other at FinCon uh, briefly. As soon as I got there, I saw you right away, and then I never saw you again the whole time. Um, but you had a similar experience at FinCon, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have a group that I hang out with at FinCon, and uh, it's a bunch of people who have been doing this sort of thing, uh, blogging essentially, uh, for 15, almost 20 years now. And uh, uh, these people are. I would consider them very ambitious. They're very successful. They're very smart. Uh, I, I love hearing their stories about how they're making money and what they're doing online. And so, you know, we were sitting around a table just talking about how our businesses are going. And, you know, these other people are making, like your friend, $100,000 a month. Uh, some are making uh, multiple seven figures per year. And it got to me and they're like, you know, how's, how are things going with Get Rich Solely, JD? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm making $500 a month. It's like $500 a month is like not anywhere near the same ballpark. And uh, they were asking me, you know, why so little? Why aren't you willing to do these other things? Why don't you do these other things that would help your site make more money? And uh, there are a lot of answers to that question. One is I I don't want to do all the work. I don't have to do all the work. Uh, Second, uh, a lot of the things that make money – well, they're not unethical or immoral in any way. They do involve, uh, I don't know, like selling to my readers. And I don't want to sell to my readers. That, that's not my goal. Um, that's fine for my friends. It's fine for most people. But that's not what I want to be. I want to be providing information. And uh, uh, if that allows me to make money, great. If not, also great. Um, I, I think fundamentally, Doug, uh, for me and my lack of ambition right now, I think it stems a lot from my childhood. I grew up very poor, uh, rural Oregon, this trailer house. Uh, we often had to rely on charity for uh, food and clothing and so on. Um, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm overstating it. We were poor, but it's not mm-hmm. like we were like destitute. Um, but what I have now, when I look at the house I have now and the life I have now, it is beyond what I could have possibly imagined when I was a child. I have so much more than I ever dreamed I could have. And so 
I'm content with it. Sure, there are things that I want. I buy myself books. I bought myself a new car. Um, but why why push myself? Why work so hard to get more? Why not just say, okay, this is basically enough? Mm-hmm. And with the $500 a month or so to your earning, is that is that sustainable for for get rich slowly? Like, does it need to earn any more money for any reason? No, I mean, you hear website owners talk a lot about. Well, I have to make X amount of money to keep the lights on, and sure, there are some costs, but the reality is, no. I mean. The most expensive part of running Get Rich Slowly is the email list, and that costs a thousand dollars a year, maybe fifteen hundred. I don't remember. Um, but other than that, no, there aren't a huge amount of expenses, a huge number of expenses with Get Rich Slowly. And in fact, uh, one of my goals is by the end of the year to strip away all advertising, so it, it would literally be making zero dollars a month. Okay, and I'd be fine with that. I, I don't mind paying out of pocket to keep it going. Got it. And would you ever? consider like a donation model just for you know people that want to do it absolutely and in fact i think that's uh the direction i want to move so uh well you probably know uh picky and kitty from bitches get riches oh yeah um uh, i know that one of them lives near you and uh bitches get riches operates primarily on a donation model and uh I need to set up a call with them. I've been talking for several months with them. Hey, I need to set up a call and I haven't ever done it. Uh, I want to pick their brain about how that works. Gotcha. Yeah, actually, well, Carl and I have set up a, you know, similar thing is, is them. I think I need to actually, I'll, I'll ping them too. And maybe we can set up a call and figure out what they're working on exactly. But um, for this podcast, actually, like we, we probably need to, you know, grow a little bit more before we can get like, you know, sort of higher end advertisers. Um, and that's just reality. I mean, we get a good number of downloads, but I think we need more. That said, just like your um, hesitation to work with some of the companies, right? We could earn a lot with uh, credit card referrals, um, other you know, financial institutions, but we don't, we don't really give a fuck about those companies. Um, and we, we prefer to just say whatever we want. Um, and yeah. Carl and I w- were just, uh, we just recorded an episode and we talked about, I think it was BlockFi, right? Remember BlockFi, the uh, crypto bank, basically? I, I knew it existed. I didn't know anything about it. So um, they sponsored a bunch of events, uh, FinCon stuff. They sponsored a lot of, I think, podcasts, because I think I heard some of their ads, and they just went under like last week. So I think bankruptcy, right? So, I mean, I'm cherry picking an example that proves my point, but that's just how things work. But basically, we don't want to like recommend a company because they have like high interest rates because it's crypto and some other stuff, and then they go under. Because then, I mean, if you listen to the commercials, people are like, oh, it's great. You could do all this stuff. I don't know if people, you know, lost money or if they were able to get their money out or how it all went down. But basically, we'd prefer not to have to do that and not earn as much, but just have a donation model where, you know, we can break even, maybe earn a little bit. You know, that would be nice. So we do have a little ambition, just not as as much as the (laughs) it used to be. So... Yeah. And honestly, I have a little ambition too. I don't, I I mean, I talk about how I'm a man of no ambition. That's not quite true. I'm a man of little ambition is what I would say. So I have goals. I have dreams. uh, But I don't allow them to dominate my being, I guess, my psyche. Right. Right, right. And so one thing that you mentioned, sort of the the big point of a couple uh, minutes ago, where you were like, do I need more stuff? Like you you said, you got you got a new car recently, a couple other things. And 
one of the topics that we wanted to talk about is like having enough and how do you gauge that? And there's all these different areas. You know, one is sort of the retail things. Like I've been buying more guitars. There's one sitting behind me. I love them. It's fun. It's, it, you know, it's a good hobby uh, for me to work on. Music's a good thing to spend time on. Um, But there's other areas, you know, our personal relationships, maybe it's your, your own hobbies, Maybe it's, um, you know, fitness or, or whatever. So how do you like figure out where to spend your time? That's a great question, Doug. Um, I think it varies from person to person, obviously, but the key skill for determining what is enough or how to spend your time is getting clear on what's important to you. And asking yourself questions, actually taking time to think about what it is you want to get out of life and what you want to do. Not in an ambitious sort of way necessarily, although maybe. Uh, But I look around at my family and not all of my friends, but some of my friends, but definitely my family. And uh, people seem to just, they live life They don't have any clear direction that they're trying to head. They don't have any uh, objectives. They're just kind of overwhelmed with the day-to-day. And sometimes that's because life is throwing so much at them. Again, like what I'm going through this year, I'm just having to deal with life as it comes this year. Uh, But a lot of times it's just they haven't taken the time to sit down and figure out, oh, well, this is what I'd like to accomplish. This is my grand objective for uh, what I want my life to be. When I reach the end of it, this sounds all heady and uh, not arrogant, but just like over the top in a way. I know as I'm saying it out loud, I hear how overwrought it sounds, uh, but I think it's important. It's uh, when you read the psychology literature, uh, it's very clear that people who have taken the time to figure it out what it is they want to accomplish in life they tend to feel more fulfilled, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And I think it goes back to spending time and your effort in an intentional way where, you know, it ties in perfectly where like, you know, life's happening to you and you can, you know, just be complacent and just keep rolling with whatever you're dealt or you can like make some big decisions. And I know my wife and I, I think probably, you know, 35 years of our lives, uh, like both of us just kind of went with the, went with the flow kind of low resistance decisions. And then eventually we're like, we could do, we can make big decisions and like do things that are, that will take effort, but they'll pay off big later. And like, whenever we've done that, it's been awesome to just like make a decision that kind of went against the flow. And then we ended up better on the other side. A lot of uncertainty, of course, because you're, I mean, you're going against the flow. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the, the uncertainty is huge. And uh, that can be really frustrating at times, right? Yeah. And how do you deal with that? Um, are you pretty good with making a decision with like incomplete information? You don't know how it's going to turn out? I used to be, but uh, it's funny. Uh, Kim and I have had a lot of conversations recently because, again, uh, when we started dating about a decade ago, just over a decade ago, uh, it wasn't that I was ambitious, but I had a lot of stuff going on. I was doing a lot of different things. I was helping to organize a conference called the World Domination Summit. I was uh, running Get Rich Slowly. Um, I was taking Spanish lessons. I was taking guitar lessons. I was doing all these things, all these activities. And then now today, if I were to list everything that I'm doing, it would be nothing. I'm not actually doing much of anything at all. Uh, I'm, I'm doing Get Rich Slowly, but I'm actually on a sabbatical from it right now. So I'm doing nothing. And uh, so we we had a conversation recently. And uh, I mean, I know how I got here where I'm doing nothing. Um, but my key or my, uh, challenge now is to figure out, okay, what is it I want to do? You, uh, again, we've talked about this several times during this podcast is I need to be like a 22 or 23 year old figuring out what, what's coming next in my life. Um, and, uh, that is what I've been working on almost 
the entirety of my time is spent like thinking about what does come next. And it sounds super, super selfish, but what I've decided is 2023 is the year of JD is the year of me kind of like Seinfeld where it's the year of George or whatever it was. (laughs) Uh, I just need to take time to focus on myself and uh, get back to where I was in 2012, 2013 uh, where I was doing all these different things because I was so focused on myself. Uh, I was taking the time to say, Oh, I want to learn Spanish. I want to learn guitar. I want to do CrossFit. I was doing CrossFit. I was, um, so this next year, that is what I'm going to focus on is just making decisions for myself. Uh, even if it feels super selfish in the moment, I'm going to do it. Because I know that once I've got myself taken care of, I'll be much better able to help other people. Got it. And you have um, a mission statement, right? I do. That's can, right. Can, I might need to update that too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what is it um, currently or what has it been operating as? We'll link up to it so people can read it verbatim. Um, but yeah, it sounds like maybe it'll shift a little bit coming up let's see, let's see if i can read i'm googling it as we type but let's see if i can re uh, recall it without uh, looking it up so uh, i've said that my personal mission statement is i want to experience everything that life has to offer and, and this is very true I, I love meeting people doing things trying new foods I, I just love the adventure of it all so i want to experience all that life has to offer uh I want to say yes to life. And then I want to take what I'm learning and share that with other people. So fundamentally that has been my mission statement. And I'm curious, I'm going to be curious (laughs) to see how close I've got here. Uh, And I still feel as if that is what I'm fundamentally after. Uh, But maybe it just manifests itself in a different way. Uh, Maybe it's no longer, doing get rich slowly, honestly. Uh, we'll have to find out. Okay, let's see if I've got my personal mission statement here. Yeah, this is the personal mission statement that I wrote about 10 years ago, and it's uh, the one I've been operating from. And here it is verbatim. I want to be the best person I can be, both mentally and physically. I want to sample all that the world has to offer by fostering new relationships, exploring new ideas, and daring to try new things. I want to use my skills and experience to improve the lives of others while also improving my own. Solid. That's it. Yeah. And I read that and I'm like, uh, even now I'm like, hell yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. So I don't have a mission statement. Oh, we should work on that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'll just take yours. uh, Maybe just adapt it a little (laughs) bit. You've already put the time in. (laughs) For, for me, I, I read that mission statement and I, I've been good about uh, like sharing, trying to help other people, but I've been less good about being the best person that I can be. This is where I'm falling down is I've stopped somewhere along the way. I stopped going to the gym, for example. I, I did CrossFit for years and years. And now instead of being the fittest of my life, which I was 10 years ago, I'm the fattest of my life right now. Just this morning, I stepped on the scales at 215 exactly matches my peak weight. I'm in bad shape. Yeah. So I I need to focus on myself and then continue to help other people. It sounds like, you know, the mission statement can hold up, but it's just like you drifted from, you know, some of the focus on yourself um, for whatever, you know, various reasons. And, you know, there's a drift that happens. I mean, I know it wasn't like overnight, like you just stopped working out completely. It was probably just like over a little while, like you got out of the habit or whatever. That's exactly right. Kim and I were looking at, uh, you know, I wear an Apple watch and it tracks all sorts of metrics. Uh, I was looking at uh, some of the metrics the other day and it's very clear that it's around 2000, at the beginning of 2019 is where uh, the fitness really began to erode. Uh, okay. Anyway, doesn't matter. So for you and yourself, um, so you've never like sat down and tried to go through like a mission statement exercise or no. have, have you done any kind of exercise, like pursuing your purpose? Not, not very much. I, I think like I had a 
bad taste in my mouth from uh, the corporate mission statement. So I thought that sounds like something I don't want to do. Um, so I kind of loosely, and, and by the way, uh, everyone, we do hear the dog, uh, everything. Okay. Over there, JD. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know whether you could hear that or not. <laughs> she's, I have a hound dog and, uh, yeah, she, she's just letting us know that something is not right in the neighborhood. Okay. Very good. I can shut the no, no, it's it's okay. Uh, it's, it's all right. It's very it's raw here, and we we like animals, so it's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I haven't done a specific mission statement, and you know, thinking of the purpose and some of those other details. Yeah, I have a little bit of a hard time because of you know how the work that I have been doing has shifted, and I know you know one thing which is actually not uh, great to say out loud, but you know some people. Are, are like, I want to whatever teach 10,000 entrepreneurs or like share my message with like a certain number of people. And they really, it, you know, it sounds like they really want to give a lot away. And I don't, I don't have that specific drive. I think like, I don't really care that much. Um, it's great if people you know, watch the videos and listen to the podcast and all that stuff. But if they don't, it's okay with me. And I have definitely run across, you know, people in our space that are like, I want to help, you know, again, 10,000 people start uh, 10,000 side hustles or whatever. And I'm like, ah, if people want to do something with it, that's great. But if they don't, no skin off my back. I actually don't care that much. So I don't know what that says about me exactly, but. <laughs> You're a man of no ambition. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. Full circle. That's exactly it. I'm like, ah, they could do something if they want, but. I don't care. When I think about my own lack of ambition, again, it, it comes back to my childhood and growing up poor. Um, when I was a kid, I got good grades, but it was because I was super interested in learning. Uh, I wasn't pursuing the grades for the sake of the grades. <laughs> I remember in fourth grade, we had this uh, chart on the wall in the fourth grade classroom. Uh, and uh, it was every book we read. And uh, I just decided in, in, uh, my school had uh, quarters. And so they were nine week quarters, 63 days. And I decided one quarter, I'm going to read one book every day. And you, we literally got little gold stars for every book. And we had to write a book report for each one. And so I wrote 60, I read 63 books, wrote 63 book reports. But it wasn't because I was ambitious, ambitious. It was because I loved to read. And I thought, oh, these gold stars are fun. Yeah. And, uh, Ah, that's funny. That was what I was after. And I um, I did like getting good grades. And I think, yeah, I, I tested pretty well and I could study and focus. So I was able to get good grades. Um, but then I can't remember. It must have been around the college time frame where I realized no, no matter what I'm working on, there's always going to be someone better. <laughs> Right. So, right, and right. I think that's just, that's true, right? There's always someone who's a little better or the work harder or whatever. And I think that sort of, it, it was my way to justify, I could justify anything by the way, but that was my way to justify <laughs> less effort and just, you know, you know, we could do good enough and that's probably fine. And then of course, when I got uh, you know, a corporate job, then there's, you know, 50, I mean, I, I was average at best. So there's like 50% of my peers are better than me at least. So then it was really easy. I'm like, ah, I mean, I'm not going to be the best. So, um, it's really easy to talk myself out of trying too hard. So you, you just used a phrase that has become, do I want to say it's central in my life? It, it's a guiding phrase and that it's good enough, you know, growing up, I was taught that good enough seldom is. And my teachers, my parents wanted me to always do better. But I've learned that, no, for myself, good enough is generally, it's what I want. So uh, have you read the book, The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz? I haven't read it. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. The, the, the core conceit is that... Uh, we think we want more options in life, but the reality is more options actually make it more difficult for us. And 
we we want fewer options. We want we want we don't want only one or two. We want a few, maybe five or six, but we don't want fifty because fifty just makes it hard. So, one of the things he talks about in the book is what he calls maximizers and satisficers. And uh, I'm going to use shopping for a car as an example because I just shopped for a car a couple months ago. When shopping for a car, a maximizer is driven to find the best possible vehicle at the best possible price. And they're going to spend so much time and effort to, to maximize the choice, right? To find the best car, the best price. A satisficer, it's okay with good enough. They're, they're okay with uh, just finding a good, pri- a good car at a good price. And I used to be a maximizer, believe it or not, uh, about a lot of things. Uh, so if I were to buy a computer, for example, I would like spend so much time researching what is the best computer, what's the best price. Um, and then it, it would take me a long time to do it. And then I would buy the computer and then inevitably I'd be like, oh, but this other computer had a better processor or, or whatever it is. And that's the struggle that maximizers face is they're spending so much time trying to find the best. And in most instances in life, there is no the best. So they're almost never happy. They're almost never content with what they choose. Whereas satisficers generally are happier with their choices because they've chosen something that's good enough and their choice usually is good enough. And uh, yeah, that is um, amazing. And the thing is, um, my wife is a maximizer. She sits upstairs, so I can't talk too loud, but um, <laughs> and, and I am, you know, satisfies her. And I, I knew that I kind of was. And then once I was exposed to the idea, I like leaned into it even more. And I'm like, oh, there are areas that I spend too much time researching or even worse, you second guess the decision after it's been made. Yes. It's so toxic. So hopefully I can get my wife to shift over, but she actually, for some reason, she identifies as a maximizer, even after I told her about this concept. (laughs) So I'm like, it's, it's worse. It's worse. Cause I like, generally I I am happier. I'm happier than her. Um, And part of it is like, you know, if you, if you spend so much time, like figuring out every decision, it's a little bit stressful. Usually it's not that positive. And then like I said, even worse, the the second guessing decision that you have made in the past is just is kind of a bad idea. It's like the Pareto principle, the eighty twenty thing. It's like you want to do eighty cents, eighty percent of the uh, effort. I like to figure out how all that works. Yeah, twenty percent of the effort to get eighty percent of the results. That's it. That's it. That's right. Yeah. So it, this reminds me. Uh, I was at a, a camp FI once. And a bunch of us went out to, I, who was this that I was with? I, I'm sorry. I can't remember if they're listening. I apologize for not remembering who this was. Uh, it could have been Doug Nordman. Um, but we were all out to uh, dinner at a restaurant. And this person picked up the menu. They looked, they set it down almost instantly. They just knew what they wanted. And meanwhile, the rest of us are, you know, pouring over the menu, trying to find the best side. And I asked the person, I was like, eh, you didn't even look at the menu. How did you know what they're like? I saw something I wanted. I don't need to look at the rest of the menu. I know I'm happy with that. And that kind of blew my mind. And yet I've adopted that over the last three or four years. And I do that now too in restaurants. And I'm so much happier. This is part of being a satisficer instead of a maximizer. I go, I start with the menu. I go until I find one item that I want and I stop. I put it down. That's good enough. Yep. It's great. Yeah. It removes, and there's, you know, it's a low consequence, right? Worst case scenario, like you hate the food, you can order something else or like choke it down. Right. Like it's not going to be that bad. (laughs) Um, but so many decisions, not every decision, but so many are reversible. So you can just like make a decision quickly. And then if you have to, you can fix it later, but probably you don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. So, Let's see one other point before we uh, wrap up here. And I think it's important to highlight here. So, um, and you mentioned this specifically JD before we started recording. So how can you differentiate a lack of ambition 
um, or having enough for mental health problems. And you can sort of, you know, back into the context of uh, why we should talk about this. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, We were talking a little bit before the show. Um, So for for those who don't know, uh, I've struggled with my mental health my entire life. Uh, I've been struggling with depression since at least sixth grade. Uh, There was a period of five weeks in sixth grade where I missed school. And uh, I didn't know why at the time. I've had access to my uh, records and the notes my parents had. uh, And, uh, oh, it was depression. And looking back, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I've I've struggled with depression my whole life. And as an adult, especially in the last five years, I've struggled with anxiety. And one of the ways that depression manifests itself is a lack of ambition, right? Uh, A a lack of getting things done. A a lack of, you just, you feel mired in mud. I was just talking with another prominent person in the uh, uh, financial independence space the other day who also struggles with depression. Don't want to name her name. Um, But we were talking about how when you're going through a depressive episode, it's like you're just wading through water trying to accomplish anything. It just slows you down. And uh, so that can look a lot like a lack of ambition, right? It's uh, you have things that, need to be done and you don't do them. And honestly, Doug, I, I don't know how to differentiate sometimes uh, between what is genuinely um, a state where you just you just don't have ambition or drive and what is the depression. And maybe they're maybe they're the same. Maybe that's why I've always had a lack of ambition. I don't know. What is it your experience? I I don't know. Um, I have, I don't have the same, um, anxiety or depression history as you, I think, you know, the times when I get down, it's usually just probably, you know, a couple days, maybe every six weeks or a quarter or something like that. And I think especially in the context of ambition in our conversation today, like I think if I am motivated to do other shit. So, you know, we're talking like work stuff and we're like, ah, we don't really like the money is not a good motivator for us right now. Not anymore. Maybe we don't have as much energy to do the same kind of work and all that. But if I am motivated to go hiking or, you know, do something else, usually some kind of fitness or athletic thing, or, or just being outside. So something outside. So if I have that motivation, then, you know, I think, you know, that is ambition. It's just not nothing to do with work, nothing to do um, with earning money or anything like that. So I think that for me specifically, that would be the differentiator. So if I'm just like, I don't want to do shit and I just want to sit around and like whatever, scroll through social media or something like that is probably like, the, you know, that's clearly me being depressed. Yeah. And and I think you've hit on something very important kind of indirectly here. Um, So again, I I come at all of this uh, at the personal finance stuff through the lens of psychology, because I have a psychology degree. I read psychology books. Oh yeah. You can see here in the corner of the picture, I have a stack of psychology books that I need to shelve. And one of the things that the psychology literature clearly says is that when we are feeling unmotivated, like when you're depressed, so many of us wait around for motivation to come before taking action. But the literature clearly says that you need to act regardless of whether you're feeling motivated because that action will create motivation. And it seems counterintuitive, but it's true. You're talking about getting outside, going for a hike, uh, in my case, like if I need to clean the house, just to use an example, I'm never going to want to clean the house. But if I start working on it, I'll get into it after about five or 10 minutes. I'll be like, okay. And then I can do it for an hour or two. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I was going to say, I don't read the same, uh, this psychology stuff, but I see that in a lot of the happiness books. So people are referencing Mm -hmm. it. So yeah, that makes total sense. And maybe I've sort of internalized that where I'm like, uh, if I'm not feeling that great, like at least I can like get out of the house, 
um, and go walking around outside. Like that's another like really positive thing. Get some sunlight, be outside away from like, you know, all the, uh, you know, right angles and buildings and all that stuff. And like go walk on a trail <laughs> right or something. Angles. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Get away from the right angles. Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. There's something, there's something to it. Well, yeah. I was going to say, this is one of the reasons that, uh, uh, in the fitness books, so many times people are saying, Hey, don't make it a goal to get to the gym and work out for a half an hour or whatever. Just make it a goal to go to the gym, just touch the door or step inside. And that's because you do that. You go to the gym, touch the door, step inside, whatever. You're going to be like, eh, okay, I'll go get on the treadmill or I'll go do some squats, whatever you you'll actually by taking that small action, you'll be like, okay, now I have motivation to yep. do the workout. Yeah, just get your foot in the door and yeah, if you're already there, you may as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Although I will say that th th there was a time, uh, this is six, seven years ago. This is when I was in CrossFit. So uh, there were days I would get up because I, I would work out at 630 in the morning. I would get up, I would go touch the door and then go home. Be, <laughs> it only happened like two or three times, but I'm like, not. Nah, Fuck it. I am not in the mood today. Not today. It's funny. Yeah. Cool. Well, JD, this has been awesome. Any other, you know, final thoughts before we wrap it up today? I'm curious to have you like work through the, uh, some sort of exercise for creating a personal mission statement or finding purpose. Cause I would love to hear like what it is that it comes out of that for you. Uh, I don't know which exercises to recommend cause I don't know which ones would be, uh, up your alley, but sure. I don't know. I'll, um, yeah, I'll look into it. There were, you know, I said I haven't done anything, but probably the closest was in the four-hour work week, you write out your dream line, which is uh, your dreams mm. on a timeline. And, it, you know, a lot of it, actually, I was able to accomplish it. Like, I n never went back to it. But that, you know, it was kind of a, a list of priorities of like what I wanted to spend time on. And it, like I said, it, it turned out great because, you know, subconsciously, I guess I was pursuing those things, but not uh, directly, you know, I didn't like pin it on my wall. We like filed it and I didn't look at it for five or six years, something like that. That reminds me, uh, probably 2005, 2006, somewhere back then I came up with list. I can't remember if it was 50 things or a hundred things that I wanted to accomplish. And now I'm dying to know how many of these did I accomplish? It was basically creating a bucket list. And uh, I know I published it on the web. It's got to be there somewhere. I just got to figure out how to find it. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll talk about that next time. We'll get a little update and maybe <laughs> I, I wrote down uh, as a homework assignment. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, this whole episode was a lack of ambition and, um, but I have a homework <laughs> assignment to uh, consider looking at. Is that, uh, is that soft enough? Uh, consider looking at yeah. writing a mission statement. <laughs> It, it sounds exactly like how I would say it. I would consider doing this. Yeah. I'll try to I'll try to choose a method to write a mission statement. It's, that's the equivalent of touching the doorknob of the gym. Yeah, so. exactly right. Exactly right. Cool. Awesome, JD. Well, yeah, we will. Um, we'll try to chase this stuff down so the next time we record, we can do like a little update at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, 
this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.